This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Grief Relief Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. I guess I should say and daughter, right, Heidi? Yep. Hi, Mom. Hi. Our guest today is Beth Rotondo, and Beth has worked in bereavement for 20 years, and she has lost an infant, a parent, and a sibling. Her losses and her expertise have made her the comforting companion for those to grieve. She's the author of Threads of Hope, an offering for those who grieve, and this sweet book called The Big Chair, a story of grief and discovery, and that won the Moonbeam Children's Book Award. It's a lovely book, and Beth tells me that even though it is kind of a story, a children's story, she's found that a lot of adults have found it helpful and useful. So you want to get these two books. They're uh, really wonderful. Well, welcome to the show, Beth. Thank you for having me. I'm very pleased to be here. And we hear you're up in Massachusetts, and Heidi's in New York City, and I'm in San Francisco. So with the Internet, we get all over the place. Well, Beth, I want to focus for a minute on your book, Threads of Hope, and an offering for those who grieve, because I want to say that only, I believe, someone who has been where you've been could write this book. Mm. Yes, I think, uh, you know, I never intended to write books. Uh, people have always said, you know, why don't you write a book? And I never, I, I just didn't see myself as an author. And then I, my life took a change, and someone said, why don't you write a book? And I was walking on the beach one day, and I said, well, if you were going to write a book, what kind of book would you write? And all these questions kept coming through my head, questions I had asked myself questions I had heard during my grief work with hospice and a facilitator of a support group. And, you know, they're, they're questions that really don't have very easy answers. And I decided that's how I was going to head each chapter in my book, uh, to kind of give a framework for where this journey takes us. And for each person, it looks different, it feels different, and I thought that if it gave it a framework, people could sit with themselves then more easily and explore what exactly am I feeling here. Mm-hmm. So, Heidi, give Beth the question you were thinking about, given the fact that she has lost an infant, a parent, and a sibling. Beth, you've had multiple losses, and I think that that's really important to those of our listeners right now that do not know how they're going to survive, and many of them have just had one loss, and they really don't know how they're going to survive. So looking at someone like you who has not only survived but thrived after more than one loss, what I was wondering is, is when you had your – I know you've had three losses. When you had the second loss and the third loss, did you look back at the first and – kind of look at how you coped and how you got through the first to help you with the losses after that? And did it help to know, okay, you know what, I found, I eventually found hope again after the first loss, so I know I will eventually find hope again. Hmm. 
That's such a good question. Um, I know that, you know, after our baby died, it was such a overwhelming and unbelievable experience for me because it was all dark. I didn't, I call it walking in Braille. Uh, I had no idea how to do this. What was what was okay, you know, the whole right and wrong thing. And people are always kind of talking at you, uh, do this, don't do that, all those kinds of things. So when I got on the other side of that loss and my dad died and I was already working in hospice, the first thought that came to me was, my gosh, I'm in the field. <laughs> and... For the first three weeks, because my dad died suddenly, I, I, I kind of just got numb. And I remember talking to my brother after three weeks. We were on a walk, and I said, I think there's something wrong with me. And he said, so wisely, there's nothing wrong with you. He said, you go deep, and you're preparing yourself to go there. And, of course, within maybe three days, I was crying and started on my journey. And what helped me during that, because what I felt in the second uh, loss was that my mind was interfering with my heart. My mind was telling me all the intellectual things that I learned in the process of grief, but it wasn't helping me at all. It was just kind of... Uh, centering me, but the healing, I find, really comes from the heart, and that takes time, it takes space, and it takes patience, because um, in a way, we don't readily go there the second time around. We kind of know how this burns, Uh, so we tread, I found myself treading lightly uh, and carefully, Mm. uh, so that I didn't want to go under. But the third was my brother, and I cared for him, which in a way um, spread out the grief uh, while caring for him. And then after he died, um, it was almost coming back to this world rather than the world of dying and caring for somebody who's dying. Um, I felt enclosed in that world. And I remember when I came back to my support group, facilitating my support group, and I said, I am, I am renewed in my awe for those of you who have cared for a loved one uh, because it takes you to places that is not of this world. Um, it gives you a perspective, of course, in grief. The perspective comes that uh, what is important here <laughs> And the things that really kind of bother us don't bother us so much anymore. And in fact, I remember this one gentleman who was in my group, and he was terribly, terribly in pain after his wife died. And it was probably a year and a half or two years after, and he was feeling better. And he said to me, all the old things that bothered me are starting to bother me again. Like hurry up driving, uh, why isn't the light changing? Uh, And he said, can I get back to that time in early grief where those things didn't bother me? 
And I thought that was such a wise question because in grief, I find that we are, our antenna are so um, sharp. Uh, we know who will hurt us, who will say the wrong thing, who will say the right thing. Everything is very sharp. And perspective comes kind of immediately uh, because we're, we're on survival mode. And as we start to feel better, uh, life kind of creeps back into us. That's such a good point, because I think sometimes people say that the second year is harder than the first, and I think part of it is that we're interrupted by life again. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a good point. I, I liked your talking about being in awe, because I know Heidi has recently um, had to help a friend whose uh, child was killed. We were talking this morning about um, the the awe that you have for people who are going through this. I mean, you forget uh, what a courageous journey it is, don't you, Heidi? Yes, and it's so funny that you're bringing up my friend because I'm I'm thinking of when Beth's talking about her because of what Beth is saying. Um, yes, you forget how severe the pain is mm-hmm. and how people really don't know how they're going to survive because they just feel like they're almost going to die of a broken heart initially. I was wondering for you, when your baby died, you, you touched on that here. How, how, did you, how do you think that you moved out of that severe pain? I think a number of ways. <clears throat> um, the first thing that I remember was uh, wanting my husband to grieve as deeply as I was. And he would go to work, he'd come back, and I was like in the dregs of misery for the day. So he, how, how dare he come home and look normal? And I remember saying to him, why, why aren't you hurting like I am? And thank God he was honest with me and said, I don't. I don't grieve the way you do. How could I? He said, you've carried the baby, you feel the baby. And why that was so significant for me is because I realized, and I, I dare say most people in grief do, we look for a buddy. We look for somebody who's sharing this, this pain, this aloneness, this uh, overwhelmingness with us because it would make it more bearable. And what I faced then was, nope, you're in this all by yourself here. And that was a turning point for me, I think, because now I could get down to business, you know, in a very general way. I'm using that very loosely. But my focus was on why isn't he grieving like me? Mm -hmm. And now I had to turn inward and say, this is all about you, and let's get on with it. And so that helped. The other thing that helped was uh, writing a journal. Whenever I felt that wave to come over me, I would go to the book, and that became my companion, uh, like a mirror. It validated it uh, whenever I could speak it or give it words. It kind of um, released the sting of it because it became more than just me now. It, It belonged to the universe. That's that's interesting that you're saying that, and and we've talked about journaling before on the show and how powerful it is, and writing about the experience. And I recently I teach at Columbia University, and I recently had somebody come in um, 
Dr. Christiane Mandela, and she talked about research she's doing with fire, with I mean, police officers that have had traumatic losses. Mm. And one of the things that they found so effective is journaling, and like you said, releasing and getting it down on paper and getting it out. It's very cathartic. So for anyone, I'll tell you though how difficult it is, though, because I remember, I remember going to my journal and really resisting opening it up because I knew what was going to what I was going to start feeling you know and I remember writing here you come again uninvited <laughs> and unasked mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. yeah so just to know it sounds like just to know that it's it's difficult for those out there when they start doing it i i want to um go through a little bit of the table of contents of your book just because I think people can already hear what a deep person you are and and what you've been through. And I think this uh, the book, The Threads of Hope, an offering for those who grieve, I just want to whip through a few things because I know, and I don't even expect you to comment on them. I just want people to know if they want to get more information on this, they need to get this book. How long will it last? Chapter one. Two is, will I ever stop hurting? Three is, what does moving on mean? Four is, when should I change their things? Five is, am I going crazy? And chapter six is uh, going on. So it's just a treasure trove of things that people do ask. So um, you can get that book on Amazon, and I would suggest that you do that and so that you can hear more of Beth's words. And also, Beth, you want to talk a little bit about your The Big Chair book, A Story of Grief and Discovery? See, that's another thing that kind of came to me in a dream. Uh, I kind of turned over and I looked at my husband. I said, oh, my God, I have to write a children's book. And this, uh, oh, I remember writing, you know, I could hear her voice. Anna is about 10 years old, whose mom dies, and she has a, a dad and a brother, an older brother, and an older sister. And she feels like nobody sees her. You know, my, I don't want to upset my dad because he looks so sad all the time. And her brother just, you know, does teasing kinds of things. And her sister is trying to comfort her but says everything's going to be okay. And she says that nothing feels like it's going to be okay. So she sees, she meets her neighbor down the street, Mrs. Seasons. And that's where she goes for some kind of wisdom from Mrs. Season. They sit in the big chair with cookies, and she talks to Mrs. Seasons about the way she's feeling. And Mrs. Seasons, because she lost her husband, she shares some of the things that have helped her. Um, And I I just remember feeling uh, such a sense of responsibility for the children of the world you know, that these tender little hearts are navigating this painful thing. She's, Anna's wondering about her best friend, you know. Nobody talks about my mom. Nobody brings her up. Am I the only one who thinks about her? So she comes on the other side of it, and she says, I'm going to get a big chair when I grow up, and I'm going to sit in there and try to figure my problems out. So uh, she gets on the other side of it, which I'm proud of her. (laughs) Well, so get The Big Chair on Amazon. It's a great book. And, Beth, thank you so much for all the work you're doing and for being on the show today. Well, thank thank you you for having me.
Thank you for all your work you're doing. It's a great resource. Well, we are happy to hear that you're uh, thinking about joining us as a writer for Open to Hope. That's very exciting because you are a wonderful writer. And, and thanks again for being on. Thank you. Well, Heidi, uh, very interesting show. Beth's had a lot, and she certainly is articulate about it, isn't she? Yes, I, I love what she talks about in the book. And uh, I'm glad that you went over all the chapters because, like you said, it's, it sounds like a great book. And I love the idea also that uh, her husband just basically said, I don't grieve the way you do. How could I? Because so often our spouses grieve differently than us, and we have this idea that we should all be grieving in the same way. I, lo- I love his honesty about it. Yeah, and it's interesting to uh, hear that, as Beth said, that when it comes down to it, it is your own grief, and you can get support, but it's your journey. It can be a tough one. So God bless all of you out there on this grief journey, and take care. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.